Hello and welcome. You are listening to Patrick Boyle on Finance, a podcast exploring ideas from quantitative finance, examining events occurring in markets right now and financial history to see what lessons can be taken away, including interviews with some of the most interesting people in the world of finance. To learn more about the podcast, visit onfinance.org. Last Friday, China put in place its most extreme ban to date on cryptocurrencies. Crypto exchanges and other service providers were already technically banned by the Chinese government, but a loophole allowed Chinese people to trade crypto using offshore accounts. Friday's notice leaves no area for interpretation and makes it extremely clear that cryptocurrencies are no longer welcome in China. China's banned crypto transactions regardless of where exchanges and accounts are based. The Chinese regulators say that they are ready to enforce the prohibition with the full support of nine different government agencies, including the Supreme Court, the police and the central bank. The People's Bank of China says that the new rules are necessary to maintain national security and social stability. Now, China has made moves to limit the rise of cryptocurrency since at least 2013. But with the gradual rollout of China's state-backed digital yuan, the government is getting more serious about their crackdown. I'm sure many of you are wondering what is it that the Chinese government has against the people of El Salvador and their national currency. But it's not just China. US regulators are also training their sites on crypto too. Gary Gensler, the chairman of the SEC, spoke at length about cryptocurrencies in an event hosted by the Washington Post. He stated that he doesn't think there's a long-term viability and later said that the SEC is working overtime to create new regulations for cryptocurrency markets that are likely to be quite a bit more aggressive than what is currently on the books. So why is this happening? Does it make sense? And will the rest of the world follow suit? Well, the reasons China's given for its increasingly severe bans on cryptocurrencies range from their role as a vehicle for money laundering and smuggling to environmental pollution and the intensive electricity used in mining for Bitcoin. These are criticisms that have been around for quite some time. Let's start with power usage and why China might care about energy consumption. Goldman Sachs announced just yesterday that they were cutting their growth forecast for China because of the country's struggles with energy shortages. There have been major industrial output cuts recently due to power outages in China. Goldman estimates that as much as 44% of China's industrial activity has been affected by power cuts. China has also been under international pressure to meet environmental targets for energy consumption and energy intensity. For this reason alone, it's no surprise that China banned crypto mining earlier this year. If energy is scarce, the government would rather see it go to factories, ports, people's homes, things like that, rather than being used for crypto mining. As the world gets more serious about energy use and environmental protection, we can probably expect a growing focus on the more energy-intensive cryptocurrencies. It would appear that the crypto community is very aware of this issue, and they've been taking significant steps in the direction of greater energy efficiency in the overall space. The other big issue brought up by the Chinese government was money laundering and smuggling. 
One of the things that crypto enthusiasts love about crypto is that it can facilitate cross-border payments, which can be surprisingly complicated and expensive in the world of traditional finance. In China, it can be extremely difficult to get your money out of the country, and this is how the Chinese government wish to keep it. So from a Chinese government perspective, restricting its citizens' access to cryptocurrencies makes sense. The Chinese government's move to rein in cryptocurrency has a lot to do with its desire to exert greater control over economic activity in the country. I covered this idea in my recent piece on Evergrande and the Chinese economy. The Chinese central bank will be concerned with the rise of any decentralized currency that makes it easy to transfer funds in and out of the country, as this reduces the central bank's ability to tailor domestic monetary policy. The easier it is to transfer capital across borders, the harder it becomes for the monetary authorities to manage both currency stability and an independent monetary policy. This is an issue for all central banks, not just for China. Now, many would argue that this is a strength and not a weakness of crypto. They might argue that a form of digital gold would impose monetary discipline on central banks, limiting their ability to manipulate the value of their currencies for political reasons. While I may have some sympathy for this argument, my point here is not to agree or disagree, but simply to point out that this has to be an important issue for the Central Bank of China, but also that it will be taken very seriously by central banks around the world. As I'm sure you know, China is in the process of creating its own government-backed digital currency. But this digital currency has only superficial similarities to what we think of as a cryptocurrency. It doesn't use blockchain, the ledger technology, at the heart of all cryptocurrencies. So let's step away from China for a moment and look at the rest of the world and ask why other countries might want to regulate crypto. You might begin by once again looking at the business of international transfers and payments. Why are these so expensive and complex, both in terms of transaction costs, but also in terms of time and paperwork requirements? One answer to that question is that a small group of financial institutions controls cross-border transfers and has kept the costs high to maximize their profitability. I think that most people would agree that breaking up such an oligopoly is a good idea and long overdue. Another more noble reason that international transfers are slow and expensive is that there are huge regulatory requirements in place aimed at controlling the flow of ill-gotten gains both within countries and across borders. Despite what you might think, banks today are high-tech firms that hire huge numbers of programmers to improve the way their businesses run. They seek any advantage they can to do things faster and cheaper. But there are a lot of regulations in place to prevent money laundering, tax evasion, and the funding of terrorist groups. And this is a major bottleneck in the world of traditional finance that both slows down payments and makes moving money around the world much more expensive. FATCA, or the Foreign Account Tax Compliance Act, which is a US law that was passed in 2010, requires foreign financial institutions to report the accounts of all US citizens 
or green card holders to the IRS to ensure that these people are not evading US taxes. Many Americans residing overseas or doing international business find themselves locked out by foreign financial institutions that have chosen to get rid of all US customers rather than to be subject to these reporting requirements. Boris Johnson, the UK Prime Minister, fell foul of these regulations in 2014 when he received a tax bill from the IRS for capital gains on a home he had sold. Boris was born in New York but lived in the UK from the age of five. He allegedly paid the tax bill but then renounced his US citizenship to avoid further complications. KYC or Know Your Customer requirements are also in place for all financial institutions. This requires them to know who their customers are, to verify that they are who they claim to be, to verify the source of their funds, and to keep up-to-date information on their customers. Financial institutions are required to ensure that they don't have any financial dealings with people who are on certain lists, suspected of receiving bribes or being involved in criminal activity. In certain cases, financial institutions are even expected to know their customers' customers. As you can imagine, these requirements are time-consuming and expensive to do right. If an institution is found to be negligent in their analysis, they can be hit with large fines and lose their regulatory authorization to do business. It's probably obvious to you that it makes no sense for regulators to enforce these requirements on international money transfers in the traditional financial system and then allow crypto to be exempt. So if crypto today is faster and cheaper than traditional financial institutions at moving money around the world, it's because the world of crypto simply ignores all of these regulations. And regulators are not happy about that for fairly obvious reasons. Now, the new Chinese regulations will likely mean that the large centralized and regulated exchanges will stop accepting new Chinese clients and will quickly offboard their existing Chinese accounts. Essentially, Chinese customers will be treated the way that US customers are treated by non-US crypto exchanges today. Many exchanges refuse to deal with US customers in order to avoid having a run-in with US regulators. A bigger question, though, is whether this crypto ban will work at all. Given that cryptocurrencies are decentralized, it's in practice very difficult to completely ban them. In theory, anyone in China who has a crypto wallet could start trading on permissionless decentralized exchanges where there is no KYC. Even if certain websites are blocked in China, crypto traders can just use VPNs to get around these restrictions. On top of that, millions of Chinese nationals live and work abroad. Stopping these people from buying cryptocurrencies and bringing them back to China could be impossible. So what about the US and their plans to regulate crypto? Gary Gensler, the chairman of the SEC's recent remarks, have made his intention to use the full powers of the SEC to rein in illegal behavior in the crypto market very clear. He expressed hope that Congress would step in and fill any cracks in the current legal framework so that crypto can be fully regulated. It would appear that Gensler's initial focus is on what's known as decentralized finance or DeFi. DeFi platforms aim to replace financial intermediaries, such as banks or brokers, with software known as smart contracts. 
these would automate crypto market activity. An example would be a contract that could be funded by crypto investors that then makes a market between two different cryptocurrencies following hard-coded rules with no human intervention. A smart contract like this could eliminate the need for exchanges or middlemen. The appeal is that this technology could lower costs and speed up trading. The reason regulators are so focused on this area is that these DeFi platforms would replace the entities that governments usually rely on to enforce the laws against money laundering and tax evasion. In particular, they sidestep all KYC or Know Your Customer regulations. Just to be clear, money launderers don't need cryptocurrencies to do what they do. Most could get by with traditional methods such as mixing illegal funds into trade flows or plowing them into assets like property or art. So while the extent of money laundering in the crypto markets is difficult to assess, there's no doubt that regulators are focusing on it. Janet Yellen, the US Treasury Secretary, recently described the misuse of cryptocurrencies as a growing problem. Christine Lagarde, the ECB president, linked digital assets to totally reprehensible money laundering activity. Right now, the on and off ramps into cryptocurrencies are still traditional financial firms. In order to take your illegally sourced funds and move them into cryptocurrencies, you still mostly have to deal with a financial institution like a bank, which has the traditional anti-money laundering requirements in place. Similarly, redeeming crypto into money that can actually be spent involves going through traditional financial channels. Over time, though, if crypto began to be used for day-to-day -day spending, a criminal would find it very easy to avoid any checks. The fact that these on and off ramps are regulated doesn't do an awful lot to prevent money laundering. If you were a criminal mastermind and wanted to show a source for your wealth, you could draw a little digital picture mint it as an NFT, have someone buy it from you for say $100 million, and not only can you now show the relevant authorities where your money came from, but you're also a famous artist and you get to go to glamorous art parties and drink champagne rather than going to the criminal parties that you're used to. You might even get to hang out with Logan Paul, one of the major artists of your generation. Not my generation, your generation. Okay, so if the SEC were to crack down on crypto, or at least try to bring it inside the current regulatory framework, what might they do? It would appear that they would likely start with crypto exchanges and DeFi and work from there. The US Justice Department has been going after exchanges for a while for violating KYC rules. It's not clear at the moment if the SEC has the legal authority to impose anti-money laundering rules on the software developers behind DeFi protocols, the automated exchanges I mentioned earlier. Under the existing legal framework, they would probably try to find a corporate link in the DeFi platforms to which legal obligations could be attached. Gary Gensler, the SEC chair, hinted at this in a recent Financial Times interview, where he said that DeFi platforms reminded him of the peer-to-peer -peer lending businesses that developed in the earlier part of the century. Just as there was a company in the middle of peer-to-peer -peer lending, he said, 
DeFi has a fair amount of centralization, including governance mechanisms, fee models, and incentive systems. A lot of the developers want to suggest that they're not doing anything more than developing software, he added. It's a misnomer to say that DeFi platforms are just software that's put out on the web. The world will definitely be watching what China does in this space. It might be close to impossible to ban crypto, but almost everything about crypto is contrary to the direction that regulators have been moving in over time. It's pretty much guaranteed that there will be a showdown. The question is whether the slow process of creating new rules and passing laws will be able to keep up with the rapidly evolving world of cryptocurrency. Have a great day and see you soon. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted. Thank you to everyone who is supporting this content on Patreon. If you enjoyed this content, you can find more like it on YouTube, on the Patrick Boyle on Finance channel, or follow us on Twitter at Patrick E. Boyle. Thanks for listening. Bye.